Hi, I'm Randallin. I'm Jennifer. And we're people. Talking about people. People Talking People is a part of the Wonder Barn Podcast Network. You can check out all their other podcasts on travel, yoga, health, and business over at wonderbarn.com. That's W-A-N-D-E-R-B-A-R-N.com. Hi, guys. It is just Randy today. Jen is off gallivanting, doing awesome, fun things on vacation. Um, So you'll hear from just Jen next week, but today it's me. I'm going to be honest, this episode's probably going to be a little short because I do love talking, but I don't love talking to myself. So we'll see how this goes. I am super excited to hang out with you guys today. We're going to talk about one of my probably all-time favorite books, if not my absolute favorite book, and that is To Kill a Mockingbird. I, like many others, first was exposed to To Kill a Mockingbird through English class. Um, I was a little surprised. It wasn't in our curriculum at the time, and my teacher kind of like pulled a I do what I want, Ron Swanson kind of moment, and was like, well, we're not going to read this other book, we're going to read To Kill a Mockingbird, and we did, and at the time, I absolutely hated it. It took me probably forever to read, and I just was not, I've never been one for forced readings, um, so the fact that it was forced reading was just like not sitting with me super well. And I was having a hard time with the content, and I don't think I had the words to, like, vocalize that at the time. But thinking back on it, I can now put, you know, those words to that, to those emotions and feelings that I was having. So I want to cover a few things that kind of stick out to me when it comes to the book To Kill a Mockingbird, because I recently mentioned to Jen and a couple others on a group call that I now love and am kind of like obsessed with the book I read it at least twice a year if not more than that I have like a mockingbird tattoo and like a to kill a mockingbird coffee mug and it's what is on my kindle cover and so it's definitely a book that I continue to gain wisdom and kind of reap things from so it's a book that I'm happy to be sharing with you guys here today so on that um the first thing i want to talk about every time i read to kill mockingbird i'm kind of reminded that things aren't always just black and white or purely right or purely wrong i think there are some things that fall in those categories but most of the world lives in this kind of like gray area where situationally things are better or worse decisions or the best or not the best decisions and To Kill a Mockingbird I think is one of the books that helped me realize that I am an Enneagram 8 and for those of you who are either unfamiliar with the Enneagram or unfamiliar with the Enneagram 8 it basically means that I want to see justice served to the people so if you did something wrong i want to see you get yelled at for it if you did something right like i want to see you get praised to the end of time for that thing so and i think this is part of 
what I mentioned earlier, when I really struggled with the content the first time I was reading it, I didn't know anything about the Enneagram, didn't understand really like who I was. I mean, I was a high schooler. Didn't understand like who I was, what I was doing, what was going on with all of these things and people and situations. And it it is unjust justice that happens in that book when you know they're in the courtroom and they're the trials being served and you there's like an overwhelming sense of the country at the time was unjust justice it was we will help you if you help us we are not going to help you if you don't help us um and that's not that's not just that's not correct that's not being a good person um so I really struggled with that and I think the more I read it I read it again after that semester was over kind of on a break and was able to kind of take it at a slower pace and really dig into the book and that's when I started to really appreciate that it is a gray book um it it lives in that weird in between where you don't know what's a hundred percent right or what's a hundred percent wrong. It's all kind of leaning on each other and they're figuring it out as they go. So that's the first thing that I think kind of sticks out to me the most with To Kill a Mockingbird. It's just a reminder that as much as I want things to feel super black and white and right and wrong, there are things that can be that easy. However, most things like what it means to be a good person or how do you go about um, really, how do you go about really showing someone that you care about them? Like those things aren't very clear they come and go with situations and people and every person is different so what might show one person you care about them could show another person that you you know you've hit all of their pet peeves and you actually don't care about them so I love reading To Kill Mockingbird because it's just a reminder that things can appear black and white but most time they aren't and that is kind of like where we live in, so that's okay. <laughs> it kind of helps my little eight, um, I crave justice and all things to be orderly heart to know and to see. The second thing I want to hit on is that courage doesn't appear. And in some ways I could argue this statement that it does just appear and you have moments where you'll feel more courageous based on outside outside circumstances for the sake of this argument and to make life easier on the listeners I'm not going to do that I'm going to kind of stick here with courage doesn't just appear it's a muscle and it's built and you start by building it in really small ways in doing the things that seem out of the ordinary. Um, I think the perfect example of this is like they talk about how 
Atticus was the same publicly as he was privately. Like, he didn't have an alter ego or he didn't have a part of him that nobody else knew. Um, Or I should say that, like, only a select few people knew. He just was who he was. And that takes courage. It's hard to be that vulnerable with everybody that you encounter and also live like that all the time. I mean, it's easy to be, it's easier to be vulnerable for a day than it is for a lifetime in that that's who he was and that's what he did. And courage like that, I think, is what contributes to him. It built his courage and it built his integrity. And because of that, when he was approached with this case, he was able to take it because it's the right thing. And he knew that he there wasn't going to be a black and white answer and he wanted to do his part to make it black and white instead of letting it be kind of lost in that void of grayness where it's wrong but it's actually right because that's what you know culture and society says so I think and I really do believe that courage and integrity are two houses on the same street they kind of grow together and they grow with repetition like a muscle I think sometimes people get lost in what trend is happening or what what's new in the world what what society is up to this week that they forget about the things that are foundational courage and integrity are two of those foundational things in my book and they are really hard to cultivate I know a handful of people in this world that have insane amounts of courage and some of the most they're the most integrity filled people I know and after talking with them and and learning from them and being in conversations and relationships with them I can I can continue to say that these aren't values or mindsets or attitudes um characteristics that just appear they take years of doing the hard, making the hard black and white calls, they take years of stepping out of the gray and doing the right thing because it's the right thing, which is the next point that I want to hit on, is doing the right thing is always the right thing. And <laughs> I feel like this podcast can kind of go for a loop because it's, to me, something that is really really maybe I'm looking for the word and I had it and I lost it so I'm just going to move on with that sentence thanks for bearing with me there I love To Kill a Mockingbird because it is an example of real like human kindness and love towards our neighbors and the people in our communities we live in 
a society that doesn't even know their neighbors most of the time um, beyond like, oh, they get a lot of packages delivered <laughs> um, or they're really quiet or they're really obnoxious. We, we don't know the battles that people are facing. We don't understand kind of like the worlds that they live in. And we all live in kind of different worlds depending on where we are in the country or, you know, what's happening in our in our towns or our cities. And it's hard to feel connected to something and to feel connected to people at times, especially in the world now with social distancing and all these precautions. We're not incredibly present with people and when we are it can be really easy to be selfish and I I would argue that selfishness is what keeps us from being really connected with people in a kind of socially distant world because it's easier to put on a podcast than call a friend or you know go for a walk on your own instead of inviting a friend and trying to like then make those plans um and those things aren't aren't bad if you need them that's great do it take it I think the point I'm getting at is when those are the habitual things where we're consistently stepping away from people into our own bubble is where I like feel that selfishness selfishness kind of push in um and it's like stepping away from the right thing um the right thing for me and maybe this is different for other people but my my personal convictions on this are that the right thing is is bringing people together is creating community and being a place where people can have a voice and have support and learn and grow together. So for me, getting people together and gathering people is what the right thing is. And like I said, that can be different for everyone. Um, but oftentimes doing the right thing is challenging there are things that will come up there are things that i'll want to do or you know better plans or options that i'll have to say no to and or situations that are going to make me feel some sort of way whether it's uncomfortable or embarrassed or you know shameful whatever those emotions that we as humans don't like feeling that I could shy away from or I can kind of continue to push into and do the right thing and I think that is something that sticks out with me through the course of To Kill a Mockingbird and that's how you know Atticus lives is doing the right thing because it's always the right thing 
even when it's hard um and that kind of goes back to the definition he gives of courage in the book is courage isn't a man with a gun it's knowing you're licked before you're started you've started and doing it anyway um so this has kind of been a little bit rambly and i'm gonna kind of try it and tie it up in a bow i absolutely love talking about to kill a mockingbird i think there are lots of great lessons in that book and I do know that my strengths when it comes to talking about the book come from conversation with others. So I want to invite you guys to open up a conversation with me, be that via LinkedIn or Instagram, and let's talk about it. Um, before I do, before I close today, I wanted to kind of wrap this up. I'm going to cover again the points that I shared and then um, kind of leave you with a thought about where we are today in the world um, and maybe what your next step is. So I opened talking about how things aren't always black and white and there's a lot of gray area and then I led into courage doesn't just appear out of broad daylight um, courage and integrity are houses built on the same street that you have to build. They take time and repetition to grow and foster and lean into. And then I closed with doing the right thing is always the right thing. Now, all of those points are kind of tied in and intertwined in each other and if it was a Venn diagram they would all touch in the middle somewhere and uh, they would probably all say like Harper Lee or Atticus Finch <laughs> would be like the label of the section that they touch in um, but I know a lot of people don't always take the time to sit back and reflect on the books that they're reading, what the themes are, what they're learning, how it's impacting them, if it's staying with them. So this week, I want to challenge you guys to step back, step away from the screens, pick up a book that you haven't read in forever that you enjoyed, and give it another read. See what sticks out to you. I reread To Kill a Mockingbird, like I said earlier, at least twice a year, and I'm always consistently surprised at what else becomes new to me or what it brings to light for me, depending on, you know, where I'm at in the world. So I know a lot of people don't love rereading books because there are so many new ones to learn from. But I would challenge you guys to just pick one book, maybe you alternate with two or something, that you revisit consistently with a new openness and receptiveness to exploring what else is out there. So, read your book, start a conversation with me on LinkedIn or Instagram, 
and I actually I won't see you next week Jen will see you next week it will just be her um, I will see you again in two weeks when Jen and I are back together so on that note as you know People Talking People is part of the Wonder Barn Podcast Network, so head over to wonderbarn.com slash people talking people to learn more about our show and check out all the other great shows in their network. Until next time, people. Bye.